Hello and welcome to this instalment of the Freshfields podcast on anti-money laundering and counter-terrorism financing. My name is Daniel Travis. I'm a counsel in our White Collar and Global Investigations Group, and I'm based in Düsseldorf, Germany. Here with me are Victor Garcia-Lopez. Victor is a consultant in our EU Regulatory and Public Affairs Group in Brussels. And Janina Heinz and Marius Retz. Janina is a counsel, and Marius is a principal associate in our financial regulatory team. They're both based in Frankfurt. Now, we're coming together today because there's a new AML package from the European Commission designed to overhaul the European AML landscape. And what we want to do today is provide you a brief overview of what is to come. And then we hope to have a mini series of podcasts deep diving into specifics of the package later. Victor, would you like to kick us off, maybe start with what is the context of the package what happened previously in the European Union in terms of uh, anti-money laundering legislation? Yeah, of course. It has actually been a very long journey for the Commission to get where we are now. The EU has been working very hard on tackling money laundering since 1989 with its first initiative. But the question is, where are we now? And 30 years later, and after five anti-money laundering directives, we have the feeling that the oversight framework is still fragmented and not sufficiently coordinated. This is why there has been a lot of pressure from senior members of the European Parliament to come up with this package. Also, the Council has put some pressure with the publication of two rounds of conclusions calling for a strong proposal. Then, at an international level, the Financial Action Task Force has also influenced the Commission with its recommendations on AML standards. And after having all these actors knocking at the Commission's door, they have put all the pieces together and finally published this AML legislative package. And Victor, why was the European Commission working towards the comprehensive package? The Commission was working towards this new framework, mainly for two reasons. One was to harmonize the existing legal framework. Um, the Commission observed there were significant divergences on the implementation of the previous AML directive, and then wanted to end up with this fragmentation in the market. And two, to strengthen the supervisory role. For that, the Commission has created a new EU authority that will improve the cooperation between financial intelligence units and national authorities. That's tremendously interesting, and I'm sure we'll hear, hear more about that. Um, what are the next steps now? So now the legislative package will be discussed by co-legislators after the summer recess, and that is the European Parliament and the Council. And it is true that it took a bit longer than expected to be published because there was a lot of controversy and lobbying behind. But the Commission has said that they are looking forward for a speedy legislative process, which in any case, it will take more than a year. If we look at the timeline, there's still plenty of time since the future AML authority should be fully operational in 2024 and direct supervision won't be carried out until 2026. From our experience, member states are going to jealously be looking at the balance of powers between the new EU supervisor and the national ones. And a sensitive question is how this new authority would finally interact in practice uh, with the ones from member states. 
we should in any case bear in mind that this is just a proposal and it is at the beginning of the legislative process. Therefore, these points are just initial points of discussion. I would uh, suggest we do a deep dive in our next podcast, as you mentioned. But in the meantime, Janina, could you tell us what are the main proposals of the AML package? Well, in addition to establishing a single rulebook for anti-money laundering and the countering the financing of terrorism, as you have mentioned, the draft legislation provides really for a shift in supervision by creating a new European Union agency that will be responsible for the implementation of the harmonized rules. Interesting, but could you tell us what is the new European AML Authority all about? Well, I think most importantly, the new European AML Authority will take over direct supervision in respect of certain selected obliged entities under the AML rulebook. Those will be exclusively obliged entities from the financial services sector, such as credit institutions and other financial institutions, which operate on a cross-border basis and have a high inherent risk in relation to anti-money laundering. Their selection will be based on a periodic assessment. But in addition, the new AML authority will also exercise indirect supervision, that is in respect of non-selected obliged entities, which may be from the financial sector, but also from other sectors. And this indirect supervision will be mostly based on the coordination and oversight of the national anti-money laundering supervisors, so you, you might say that um, the setup is actually similar to the one of the banking union in the sense that there is a mix between direct and indirect supervision, which serves to really ensure a harmonized and also overall strict implementation of the rulebook. Moreover, the new AML authority will also support the National Financial Intelligence Units, FIUs, and also contribute to the development of so-called level two and level three rules, meaning technical standards and administrative guidance, which serve to really further specify and enhance the single rulebook for anti-money laundering. All right, Janina, can you now elaborate more on what are the industry implications and who are the affected parties? In my view, the implementation of this legislative proposal will have a considerable impact on those credit and financial institutions who will be selected for direct supervision. This is because the new AML authority will certainly apply strict standards to ensure compliance with the anti-money laundering rules. And those strict standards are coupled with really a broad set of supervisory powers, including even the power to restrict business operations, or uh, to require the divestment of activities that pose excessive money laundering and terrorism financing risks. So this might give you a flavor that um, this is really a, a strict standard coupled with strict powers. And the new AML authority will also have the power to impose pecuniary sanctions. And any challenges against actions of this new authority will, of course, have to be brought in front of the European courts. Now, having looked at the institutional setup and this new European AML authority, Marius, why a single rulebook? Well, Janina, I think that's a fair question because we already have the AMLD, which is, however, a minimum harmonization directive. What the Commission is concerned with really is a level playing field in two uh, dimensions. 
we have diverging implementation of the AMLD and we have differing interpretation across the member states. And what the Commission is concerned with is a lack of detail that uh, it perceives in the AMLD and it wants to react by um, issuing this regulation which uh, puts down a, a clearer and stricter level of detail. Uh, the hope is that this will specifically help in cross-border scenarios where uh, different imp interpretation implementation has caused problems so far. And what are the substantive elements in the package? Has the scope expanded? I think it's fair to say, yes, the scope has expanded. What we see uh, is first, in addition to um, the list of obliged entities, I'm picking a couple of examples here. We see that crypto asset service providers are fully covered. We see that um, the regulation also covers mortgage credit intermediaries and consumer credit intermediaries, which are not licensed, not licensed entities in all member states so far, so not everywhere captured by the current AMA landscape. What we also see, interestingly, is that traders and goods are not among the obliged entities. It comes with a catch. We will have a general limit for large cash payments of 10,000 euro. So you have also mentioned different implementation as a consequence of lack of detail. How does the anti-money laundering regulation react? I think it reacts in a number of ways. I want to pick out two here. We see what it wants to do is harmonize customer due diligence measures, which are at, arguably at the heart of the IML landscape. When we look into the regulation itself, we see a familiar um, setup, pretty much what we see in AMLD so far. However, the regulation foresees that there might be RTS coming down the line, which is a much more detailed regime. One point to mention so far, I think, is that the Commission wants to harmonize remote onboarding of customers across the EU, and that might actually be a big help. The other area that one might quickly mention is beneficial ownership. Here, we had inconsistent ways of calculating the ownership, and the Commission proposes a new consistent definition. Thank you, Marius. Have you also identified areas where the AML regulation is stricter than the current regime? Yes, uh, we have, and it's a bit under the radar. When we look into the regulation, we find new hard limits on outsourcing, and that might have quite an effect. We have a number of uh, areas that are marked in the regulation that, as the regulation says, shall not be outsourced under any circumstances. This is very different from the current regime and might put considerable pressure, uh, particularly on smaller and middle-sized entities who have traditionally outsourced many of these activities. Now, if we look at the AML landscape, as we say, no rules without enforcement. Daniel, could you give us an overview of today's AML enforcement landscape? What's the big picture? Oh, sure, Matt, it's very happy to. Now, historically, of course, Europe was always way behind the United States and the UK when it came to criminal enforcement, especially of large anti-money laundering violations. But we've really seen Europe catch up lately. So there is overall now a, a high enforcement pressure, and that's both criminal and regulatory enforcement. And I think there are several contributing factors to that. Now, first of all, AML enforcement in Europe is driven by the big AML scandals of the past, such as Panama Papers or uh, Russian laundromat. And secondly, of course, it's not just AML, but there is a global trend towards more criminal and regulatory prosecution of corporate misconduct, and AML is an important part of that. And that's basically where criminal AML enforcement is also headed in Europe at the moment. It's moving 
much stronger than in the past towards corporate misconduct. While in the past, organized crime, you know, drug trafficking, those would be the kind of offenses where there was most focus on AML enforcement. Now it's really moved on to financial institutions and uh, corporate crimes. And some national lawmakers, of course, have found that AML criminal enforcement plays a, a pivotal role in trying to battle crime as a whole. So that has really pushed enforcement. I think one of the most extreme examples that made international headlines is the raid of the German financial intelligence units, where actually prosecutors in Germany uh, raided the German financial intelligence um, units. So one criminal enforcement authority raided another law enforcement authority for obstruction of justice because the FIU in Germany had built up a backlog of suspicious activity reports and wasn't quick enough in the eyes of the prosecution to process them. However, despite this overall pretty high level of enforcement, enforcement is still uneven in Europe. So we've seen fines in the hundreds of millions of euros in some jurisdictions, in Scandinavia and the Netherlands, for example, while other member states, you basically haven't heard anything from criminal money laundering enforcement, which is why the EU recently, of course, passed the Directive on Combating Money Laundering by Criminal Law, setting minimum standards to prosecute money laundering by means of uh, criminal law. Thanks. That's, uh, that's well understood. But uh, what, what do we expect to change now from an enforcement perspective? I think it's probably quite early to tell what will change in practice, but there are two things to mention now. The first thing, of course, is that the new authority will be a very important resource for national law enforcement authorities, namely for the FIUs. It will have strong working relationships with other European institutions such as OLAF, OIL, Eurojust and of course the new European Public Prosecutor's Office and you really see that despite everything in place national borders still are obstacles to law enforcement in Europe especially in complicated cross-border cases. But I think the second issue and that's coming back to something Janina mentioned earlier of course the new authority will have powers itself to sanction the riskiest or those financial institutions most at uh, risk in its view. And that will, they will have the power to sanction them with up to 10% of their yearly uh, turnover in fines. They will also have the possibility to, to impose so-called uh, periodic penalty payments. So certainly a tiger with some teeth to it. There are some rules in the regulation that we've seen so far in the draft regarding enforcement, which will then take place in uh, the member states under civil enforcement rules. And there are some announcements that there will be a proper procedural guidelines detailing how defense rights will be set out. So interesting and more to come with view to criminal and regulatory enforcement in the EU. Now, I think we are about to end our slot here. So let me wrap up quickly. I think it's fair to say that financial institutions can expect largely uniform standards going forward. No more need to adjust to national particularities in the same uh, way as today. And I think we will see the legislative elements of this package will go through the EU likely within the next 12 to 18 months. So certainly... Um, watch this space and we shouldn't expect this to come into force anytime before 2025. 
So I think this concludes our very first overview of the main axis of this very interesting AML package from the European Union. And I encourage all listeners, of course, to stay here, watch this space and follow our deep dive podcasts to come on specifics of the package. Thank you uh, so much to Victor, Yanina and Marius. And thank you very much for our listeners.